Part 4 in the series, Beza Hashem, Shaivabim. Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to Harsinai, as the Medrash tells us. Moshe Rabbeinu comes up to Harsinai in order to get the Torah and bring the Torah down to Klal Yisrael. And as the Gemara tells us very clearly in Shabbos Peches, the Malachim, the Malachim came to try and stop Moshe Rabbeinu from taking the Torah to Klal Yisrael. And the Malachim said, no, you cannot take the Torah to Klal Yisrael. It's not for them, don't bring it down there. And what did Moshe Rabbeinu answer? Says the Medrash, again, Chazal bring it, Gemara in Shabbos Peches. Says the Gemara, Moshe Rabbeinu said to the Malachim, excuse me, Malachim, whatever you, I don't know how you address Malachim, but whatever he called them, tell me, do you guys keep Shabbos? Do you guys have parents that you have to machabed, keep it of aim? Do you guys do business that you have to worry about stealing? No, it's not Negea. Give me the Torah they gave him the Torah he won, and Mimela, Moshe Rabbeinu got the Torah for Klal Yisrael. The Mephoshim asked a kash on the Gemara. What happened? What's going on over there? The Malachim said, no, Moshe Rabbeinu, you can't take this. Moshe Rabbeinu says, what? You need to do Kibbut of Aim? You need to steal? You have, you have timers? It's on the Gaya. Memela. The Malachim said, fine, no problem, you can take the time. What was the dialogue? What happened? What exactly was the, was the conversation? And how did he win? So the answer to the Mephoshim is very simple. And that is, Moshe Rabbeinu was demonstra- demonstrating a very big yesoid in the Kiyam of the Torah. And that is, the Torah was not given to Malachim. The Torah was not given to Malachim because they don't struggle with these things. They are perfect. They are who they are. They are who they were created. Therefore, they don't struggle. The Torah is not created for them. Moshe Rabbeinu was demonstrating that the Torah was created for human beings that struggle. Human beings that have ups and downs. Human beings that sometimes manage and sometimes don't manage. That's who the Torah was for. And that's a chizek. Because sometimes, as we've said over the weeks, we fall. But we have to realize what it means to fall and how to get up. There's a modic Gemara in Baba Kama. The Gemara in Baba Kama is the following scenario. We're not going to go through the whole sugya, but the Gemara says an amazing thing. What happens if you've got a guy who's walking with a glass utensil, very fragile glass utensil. He's walking along. He falls down. He's on the floor. The next guy behind him, says the Gemara, comes after him. Obviously, he's not looking. Trips over guy number one. Falls down. He's also holding a glass utensil. Smashes the utensil. Who has to pay? Take the Gemara Kasha. Guy number one or guy number two? Guy number one that was on the floor that should have got up because at the end of the day, he tripped up the other guy. Well, it might say guy number two because he didn't look. So the Gemara says, oh, goes to the whole Shaila. We're not going to go through the details, but in a very simple way. The Gemara says that guy number one is high. You know why? Because he fell, he was down, and he should have got up. Explain the Bali Musa. The Bali Musa explained that one of the greatest tricks that the Yetzirah has for every single one of us is not to cause us to fall. It's very easy to fall. We're human beings. That's who the Torah was there for. That's who Moshe Rabbeinu argued, I want to give this Torah to whom it is negated to. Who's that? Human beings, because we fall. The problem isn't the falling. The problem is what we do after we fall. 
The problem is, what happens? What is our feelings after we fall? Do we get up? Says the Gemara, you should have got up and you didn't. The greatest trick of the Yitzhah is to cause a person, ah, you fell already, it's not worth it. You know, you tried, I, you know, I could see you tried for a few hours, for a few days, whatever it was. You tried to stop yourself, you fell, you may as well continue. You may as well go on and go on because you fell anyway. But that's not true. We have to learn to get back up. We have to learn to look forward, not to look behind. It's a very, very big issue. I want to discuss today just a few of the claims that people make. And I've heard these claims over the years, and that's why I jotted them down. And claims that people make regarding the Issa and the, you know, the whole Yisod, the Shmir Senaim, the Kedusha Senaim, the Inyanim of looking at things inappropriately. One of the very big claims that people make is, oh gosh, I've got to be a pretty low guy if these are the tithers that I'm having. If this is what's going on in my brain, if this is what's happening, if this is what I want, if this is the compass that forces me to go in that direction, I've got to be pretty low for this. And the answer is absolutely not. One of the first things that I tell people in many areas, especially in this area, is you're not alone. You're not the only person that struggles. Now, you may say, it makes a difference to me if other people struggle. I'm worried about myself. I don't care about somebody else. The answer is it's not true. Simply because we all think of our nisyonis and we think we're the only one. We're the only one. We have such an nisyon. Who has such an nisyon? When you know that other people struggle. You're not alone. You're not the only one. This is a normal human struggle that people have. And it's especially the people on the outside that don't look like they're struggling. Rabbi said, what can I tell you? In my line of work, I see this every day. Those people struggle often even more. You have to know. You're not alone. It's a normal thing. It's a tether that the Rabbi Nishan put in creation. We discussed this in the beginning of Hilchas Yechut. And we said the same thing. A tithe is not a possible thing. It's not a bidi eved. It's how the Rabbi Nishan created the world. And if you have that tithe, you're a lechatchila. It's an amazing thing. It's like the koyach of electricity, as we explained then, the beginning of Hilchas Yechot. The greater the koyach of electricity, the greater good it can do. But the greater bad it can also do. And the greatest, as we mentioned then, the greatest human thing that a person wants to try and push for is the need to survive. After the need to survive, it's the koyach of looking at the, uh, being busy with the opposite gender. That is the second most powerful human need that we have, is the connection and the attraction between the opposite gender, between males and females. That is the second to greatest after surviving and living. This is lechatchila. The more powerful it is, the better it is. As we mentioned over there, the Gemara in Yuma, when they rattled the koyach of the Eight Sahara, when it came to Taiva, even a chicken didn't lay an egg. Because there was no interest in one or the other. This is a necessary part of the world. And people think, I have it worse. You know, everyone, this is I hear from everyone. This is how I know that it's not true. Because each guy will tell me, Rabbi, <laughs> you have no idea. I've got it worse than everybody else. Trust me. By me, it's the worst. It's terrible. But every guy is saying the same thing. But mainly, it's not a problem. Because this is what the Rabbani should put in the world. I want to tell you, Amor Yudah The Ramban. Bereshus Chav Beis, Posik Aleph. When they came Nisus Avram, the Rabbi Shalom tested Avram Avinu. We know there are ten tests that Avram Avinu went through, and he passed Baruch Hashem every single one of them. And we're living on the reward of, of Avram Avinu's tests. Says the Ramban, what is an Asayin? What does it mean? An Asayin, Hashem tested Avram. What's an Asayin? 
Zuk the Ramban and the Soyin is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for growth that a person can take that challenge, that hurdle that he has to jump over and use it as a challenge and use it as an opportunity in order to grow. Now some people don't. And some people use it as a way to get depressed, as a way to get upset. They beat themselves up over this because, oh, you're a boy, look at me. I'm terrible. But no. If we realize that when the Rabbanishram throws us a challenge, it's because he's doing it in order to us to grow. The word Nisoyin Rashi brings in Shemois Perik Chof. A person gets raised up for cat. When a person, and I've heard this from so many people, after the challenge, and I was successful, I feel the greatest person in the world. So why is it that sometimes the Rebunisham gives some people harder challenges, some people less? The answer is so simple. If you are, imagine a trainer, someone who's a coach, who's training a team, in whatever it is sports that you want to imagine it to be. And he sees one particular guy. This guy is going to be great. This guy is going to make it unbelievable. So he gives him extra push-ups. And he makes him run around the field a few more times. The guy comes over to the coach and says, Coach, that's not fair. You don't make anybody else do these things. You only make me. That's not fair. What does the coach say? Because I see tremendous, tremendous success more than anybody else. When a person feels that he's being challenged and it's so difficult and it's so hard. Why? It's not fair. The Rabbanishab is doing this to us. An 18-year-old boy who was completely off the derrick said to me once, Rabbi, what does the Rabbanishab want from us? He puts everything on our fingertips. Everything's so easy. What does he want from us? The answer is, the coach throws the greatest challenge to the greatest potential of success. And therefore, when you are thrown a challenge, it means you have the greatest potential of success. It means the Rabbani Shalom sees that you have the koyach, to fight, and to overcome, and to win, and to do this. And that's an amazing, amazing thing. And you have to think about that. The Chovetz Chaim writes, The Ikvisa, the Meshicha, the Molchama will only get stronger. The Yitzhara realizes it's over. It's almost finished with the Chaparain. As we say, the Malachamovas tries with his last strength to try and do whatever he can. Please, let's get him. That's what it is. So the Chovetz Chaim, it's right now. I mentioned this before from some Sefer also. It's right now when the Yetzirah understands this is his last opportunity in the world before Mashiach comes, before the Beis Mikdash is here, before the Bechira gets taken away, that he can chap us and he can get us and we have to fight and we have to win and we have to do this. Reb Tzadik HaKoyin writes, People often ask, why was I sent down to the world? What's my, what's my, what's my purpose? What am I doing here? What's my tachlis? So Tzadik HaKoyin famously writes that if a person sees the greatest struggle the greatest fight that he has, that, said Reb Tzodik, is very likely what you were sent down to the world. Can you imagine? After 120 years, you get up to Shemai, to the based in Shalmala, and they start judging you. And they said, we send you down for one reason. You were 120 years on this world. Mitzvahs, Averis, you were doing everything. But we send you down for one thing. There was a woman across the street, and she wasn't dressed fierce. And all you had to do was turn your head. Boom! Everything! You would have got the entire tachlis where you were sent down to the world. But you missed it. That's a shame. 
When a person has a struggle and he sees this is so hard for me, that could very likely be his entire purpose on the world. of Nagoyin writes the same thing on Yoyna. The whole purpose of a, a human being in the world is to fix that which he struggles so badly. That people often say, you know, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? I was brought up, as I, with a family, as I, with friends, as I, as I, what do you want from me? What do you expect from me? If only I would have had a different situation. If only I would have had better parents, better upbringing, better environment, a better Rebbe, a better roommate, a better... Everything would have been changed. I would have had a great life. What do you want from me? This is the situation I'm in. So the Chofetz Chaim, it's a big mistake. It's a big mistake. He, the place that you are standing is holy because this is what the Rabbani Shalom set up for your life. And whatever situation you're in, it's because this is what you need for your personal Yitzhara, for your mission, for your growth. This is what it's all about. And this is so, so important for a person to realize. A person sometimes has a taina. And he says, I did this already so many times. What can I do? Continue doing tshuva. Again and again. Tshuva again. I fall. Get up. I fall. Get up. How many times? Rebunshim eventually says, forget it. I'm not interested in you. Chas v'shalom. The stipler brings down that there are many svarim you can buy. And you could see and you could read about the inyanim of Shemir Senaim And the Gehenim. And the punishment and the fire and everything you're going to experience with the stapler. People don't put an emphasis, and the Mitchell we're going to be discussing this in coming weeks, put an emphasis on the other side. And that is that if a person controls himself, if a person stops himself from looking when he has the opportunity, whether it's in front of him on the street, whether it's on his screen, whether all he has to do is type the words on the keypad, it's right there. He can do it. And he says, No, I am not going to do this. Zot, the stapler. The reward is unimaginable. The Ben if I'm not mistaken, says that when a person guards his eyes, he has the opportunity to look and he doesn't look. He has the koyach of the koyin gadol in the koydesh hakadoshim on Yoimakipurim, The holiest man on the holiest day in the holiest place. At that moment, when you turn yourself away, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to type this in. At that moment, the rush, the rush, you can make any request in the world. You have the Koyach of Tvila, like the Koyin Gadol, on Yom HaKippur. And that is an amazing thing. There's a Gemara in Sukkot, the Gemara tells us that L'Osid Lavoy, the Rabbani Shalom, is going to Shecht, the Sotan Shecht, the Malach HaMovis. So the Gemara, Tzadikim are going to cry, and the Rishoyim are going to cry. The tzaddikim are going to say, it looks like a huge mountain. Whoa, how do we do this? This was massive. And we did it. We was a koyach. We, we overpowered. We were successful. And look how big it was. We managed. They're going to cry. And the Rishoyim are also going to cry, says the Gemara. Because the Rishoyim are going to cry because they're going to see it was a little hair breath. It was nothing. It was nothing. It might have looked bigger because the imagination does that as we previously explained. But it's that they were showing are going to cry because they're going to see that's all it was. So let me end today with a minag that I have every year to read a letter. I have a minag to read this letter twice a year. Once on Hanukkah 
and one string shave of him. For anybody here that's heard this letter and says, oh, I heard this letter already. Personally, I believe that we need to do Chazor on this letter at least once a month. So it's only twice a year you're going to hear it. If you haven't heard it, to me, when I first heard this letter, I was a Bacha, I was in camp in America, and I received this letter, and I photocopied it from the person that knew who it happened to. I have the actual letter in the text that it was originally written. The name is obviously scribbled out. But this was a photocopy that I took from somebody in camp in America who knew the person it happened to. This story is one of the most powerful stories I've ever read, I've ever heard. And again, if you've heard it, we need to hear it again. The story goes like this. Dearest, you're probably shocked to get this letter from me. Three years passed since I've seen you last. You didn't think you'd ever get a letter from me. Though I'm sure you remember who I am. I liked you a lot as a person. But I never accepted what you told us. I always thought of you as a religious fanatic. You're always so nice to me. We got along well. But I never really wanted to hear about religion. I could still see your hurt face when you walked into the bunkhouse and saw me reading a magazine that was not for Abbasis Stroll. I don't know if you remember, you sat on my bed, you held my hand tightly and looked at me. You didn't say anything. You just looked sad and held my hand. Things have changed a lot since then. Yes, I'm writing to you now and I'm still lying in bed in the same position that you left me three years ago. My hand is still stretched forward and I want you to hold it tighter. I want this time, I want you to look at me with a happy face. I want you to be proud of me. I just went through a terrible accident. I'm lying in bed forever. I'm paralyzed on the right side of my body. I cannot move. I can't talk so well, but my hand can still write. And it's this hand that I stretch out to you. The doctors say my case is a lost case. No recovery. But I think this accident was the greatest and the biggest recovery in my life. I'm not sad anymore. I learned a lesson. It was the hard way. But I learned. I lie here motionless. And I think about all those days that I was able to laugh, to talk, to run and sing and dance and play and pray. Do mitzvahs, help people and thank Hashem for everything. Every single movement that he gave me. But I lie here and cry as I think of what I did with all those happy days. I, dir- I dirtied my ears. I ruined my eyes. I looked and listened to pictures, music, books and movies that I shouldn't have. My mouth, the most precious tool that Hashem gave us. I used for curses and words and songs that should not ent- enter Basisrol's mouth. I still see your sad look in front of my face. I still see you sitting on my bed. And I still see your tears rolling down. And I see the disappointment. But how can a motionless mouth fix all the words that it said? How can it daven all the beautiful thrillers? How can it make up for all those years that went to waste? How could a good body correct all the precious time that was used to ruin my nishama? There's no recovery, the doctors say, but my nishama is shouting. I feel it. I feel it pounding. There must be a way to fix everything. It was last night that I found the way and therefore I pushed myself to write this letter. I want you to tell people my story. I want them to know. I don't want them to miss the boat. Tell them, please tell them that as long as they can move, sing, dance, run, talk and listen and laugh, let them use it in the right manner. Don't 
waste time. Sing and thank Hashem for everything He gave you. Use every movement that you have and every moment that you have to clean your neshama. Help others. Yes, I know there are people out there who think that they're cool and in. And they talk about singers and films with the greatest admiration. I know this because I once was also one of those cool people. I lie now in my bed. My body is stiff and very cool. I want all people out there to get the message. That's my only recovery. I want them to take the most wonderful body that Hashem gave us and return it as a polished diamond. Next week, we'll continue.